0: Hello friends, welcome to episode 1088 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And thank you, as always, for making the Locked On Hawks podcast your first listen each and every day. We are free, totally free, and available on all platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's podcast will be sort of a, uh, an off-day edition of sorts, a little bit shorter in nature with some news and notes, some GM survey reactions, uh, the latest on the arena, and a look ahead to Wednesday's home exhibition opener for the Hawks. I will apologize now. I am not in my home, my home studio. I actually had to travel unexpectedly, so didn't have time to pack up the uh, recording equipment and all that fun stuff. So my apologies on that sort of a family emergency of sorts. All is okay, but I had to travel and was not necessarily prepared to do that. So hopefully the audio quality will last you for today and sometimes that will happen with my day job and uh, travels as such so my apologies but we'll dive into the podcast now and again a little bit shorter today before we get into the gamer on Wednesday evening Um, before beginning the basketball action this is sort of an arena report but Sarah Spencer of the AJC passed along some details on Tuesday with regard to how State Farm Arena will be set up this year with regard to vaccination status and capacity details etc obviously last year the hawks opened the season with only the media and close family and friends in the building and they sort of opened it up gradually from that point forward uh, limited capacity all the way through even in the playoffs when it was rocking and rolling down there in downtown atlanta it was still like in the 90s percentile in terms of, of, of capacity this time around though sarah reports that the hawks are going to 100 capacity for the first time in uh, you know about a year and a half at this juncture since march of 2020 Um, Not a huge surprise there. That was kind of my assumption the entire way around, but 100% capacity is the plan right now for Atlanta. Um, Also contactless entry, including some security screening stuff and increased cleaning measures with regard to uh, the safety protocols in the arena. Uh, Masks, though, are recommended instead of required. That is probably the biggest change with regard to how it was last season. You know, masks, even for those vaccinated by the end of the season last year, were still required. And recommended certainly uh, is doing some work there, but not required. I'll be interested to see how that kind of goes. Um, you know, vaccinated or unvaccinated mask, masculine now, recommended instead of required. And then also, no separate sections for vaccinated and unvaccinated patrons. Last year in the playoffs, there were sections that were designed to uh, be set up differently based on vaccination status. This time around, not so much with this, with the only exception being the 15 feet around the court that is actually controlled by the NBA and their protocols and the NBA's um, baseline right now is that anyone within 15 feet of the court has to be vaccinated or have a negative COVID test with a mask on at all times, whether they're eating or drinking. Other than that, they have to be uh either vaccinated, negative test, and also have a mask on the entire way. So obviously that's only a select few people. For the most part, um, it seems like it will be similar to what it was in the playoffs, but I will be interested to see how that all pans out. And of course, as a member of the media, I actually have to be vaccinated to be in the building and I'll be wearing a mask and all, all that fun stuff. But we'll dial it in. And that's the latest. So if you have season tickets or if you're just an occasional ticket holder, uh, you will now know the uh, protocols as they are laid out by the AJC and Sarah Spencer. And uh, thanks to Sarah for passing that along on this fine Tuesday. Um, all right, from there, we'll uh, dive into the GM survey in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. There are a few things in life that just are not any fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. It's not fun for anyone to sweat through their shirt for no reason. I'm sure we've all dealt with this at some point in time. While there are definitely bigger problems in the world, it can certainly feel like a big deal when it happens in the moment. And that's why you should check out Sweat Block Antiperspirant Wipes. SweatBlock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You can simply apply it at night before you go to bed, and then after you go to bed, the next morning, you can wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying at all about sweat. Guaranteed. SweatBlock is doctor-created and doctor-recommended. It works for up to seven days per use. There is also, by the way, a dry shirt guarantee, and if SweatBlock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's manufactured in the USA. It's what Block has a bestseller on Amazon and other places for the past decade. I know it might sound too good to be true, but it absolutely works. You can wear what you want to wear with confidence, and it really is an absolute must-have. If you or someone you know and love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock right now. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code LOCKEDON or check it out at a CVS near you right now. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com for 20% off. Promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week, and it made no sense at all and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball, and it's called Game Pick. It's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each star to count for the team's total score, ensuring that an even number of games are played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players had more scheduled games that week are over, and so is the fact that you have mindless daily busy work in the previous environment. And if you're giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work, those days are also over. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on all kinds of factors from player matchups to home versus away, opponent's defensive rankings, pace of play, and much more. And all of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty leagues, game picks has you covered. Sleeper has cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love game picks. If you can download the Sleeper app right now and start a league with your friends today, you will not be disappointed. Sleeper's one-of-a-kind game pick is the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. Check it out and download the Sleeper app today. All right, the annual GM survey emerged on Tuesday from John Schumann of NBA.com. John is one of the best in the business. I always want to laud him for his work. Um, You know, it's tough to... Um, Sort of shroud that line of being a NBA employee, employed by Turner and all that fun stuff. But he does a great job. One of the best analysts. I think one of the more underrated analysts, honestly. But one of the things that he does each and every year is compile a GM survey list. So he asks a ton of different questions. This is publicly available. I tweeted out the link. It'll also um, be, you can find out after this podcast, I'm sure. Um, Basically, he asks a bunch of questions about the entire league to all the GMs. Uh, and or their proxies whoever they actually passed that along and they the results are always very interesting so some stuff that has to do with the Hawks we'll go through the entire thing Western Conference especially but I thought some of the Hawks takeaways were interesting here so we'll dive into that now as a, a topic of conversation from Tuesday um, the Hawks are projected at least according to the survey as the number five team in the East they got a couple of third place votes and fourth place votes in the Eastern Conference but nothing above that none, none of the top two In fact, only Miami got a top two vote other than Brooklyn and Milwaukee. The Hawks landed fifth behind Miami and Philadelphia. Obviously, Philly is a giant question mark. I would lean with the Hawks ahead of Miami at this point in time, and Philly, with their uncertainty, I think the Hawks are probably better than them as well right now anyway. So uh, we'll see what happens. But fifth is about as low as I could possibly see them happening in terms of a projection. I would be higher than that, but there you go on that. Um, The biggest compliment for the Hawks, I think, at least in my opinion, on the survey had to do with their young core and one of the questions that John asked of the GMs was uh, basically, which, promise, which is the most promising young core in the NBA? Uh, I'm not sure what the actual criteria for that is. It's probably a little bit more general than your actual you know, age cutoffs and that kind of stuff. But the Hawks were number one in the entire league, and that was by a wide margin. In fact, Atlanta got 50% of the vote. And uh, most, of these, most of these categories were more split than that. So that tells you how convinced how people were about the Hawks' young core. I think it's pretty encouraging to see that. Houston was the only other team in the league that was above 7%, so that tells you uh, how lopsided this actually was. I have kind of long thought the Hawks were underrated with regard to how good their young core is. There's always been these like young core rankings or you know, age rankings, etc., and they've been fairly high in the recent years, but after last season's breakout, of course, some more love to the Hawks. And given the fact that Trey Young, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, Anika Kongwu, and Jalen Johnson are all under the age of 25 still, it's pretty clearly the right answer. I think the Hawks definitely have the, cl- have the best young core in the league. Even if you were to prefer like single players elsewhere, or maybe even duos elsewhere, the depth the Hawks have, plus a superstar in Trey Young, that combination is pretty darn impressive, and I think this is the right decision to have the Hawks number one on this list. So some pretty clear respect there. I know Hawks fans who grew up in Atlanta, as someone, as I did, are not used to seeing that kind of respect for the Hawks in summer circles, but some pretty interesting stuff there, uh, even if I thought it was pretty clear in my own opinion. The Hawks were also number three overall in the most fun team to watch rankings. They've got 10% of the vote there behind only Brooklyn and Golden State. No surprise, you know, the Hawks are a fun team to watch. They obviously have, uh, you know, the high flyers, John Collins especially. Um, Capella's a good dunker. You know, they ha- you have the athleticism of, of Jalen Johnson. You have the you have the wings, you have the shooters. And then you, of course, have Trey Young and a bunch of wins. So that combination, I think, is a pretty strong one for being entertaining and fun to watch. Um, Jalen Johnson got some love as the number three vote getter in the biggest steal of the draft category. Always a fan favorite here. If anything, this is probably even too low for me. I think it was one of the best values in the entire draft by far. Johnson lands behind Jalen Suggs at number five overall. I think basically that was Suggs going one spot lower than he was supposed to go, quote unquote. Uh, probably dictates that. Uh, although he's going to be obviously very good, I think. And then uh, Alperin Sengun of Houston got a lot of love. He got a lot of love at Summer League as well. Probably more attention than Jalen did nationally for that. And I don't have a huge problem with that. is a pretty interesting prospect too. But Johnson uh, was a huge value, as I, as I talked about on draft night and in Summer League. And every day since then, basically, um, that was a great pick. And I think I agree with this, obviously, through that prism. Uh, Nate McMillan, the head coach of the Hawks, got at least one vote for the best manager slash motivator among head coaches poll. Um, His style isn't always for everybody. Obviously, in Indiana, it didn't end particularly well, but it obviously worked in Atlanta very, very well last season. I think the team bought into what he was selling and that motivation um, and uh, managing of personalities is probably a strength of Nate McMillan's, as it is described here. Um, DeAndre Hunter got at least one vote for the breakout season. By the way, when I say got at least one one vote, that is talking about guys who were in the others receiving votes category. So they might have got more than one, but it it was definitely at least one on all of these but Hunter got um, the always one for the breakout season paradigm. No surprise here. In fact, I think he's probably even too low on this list, given um, how little people sort of pay attention to him last year. As I discussed with Zach Hood in the player breakdown, player capsule series, you know Hunter's numbers early in the year were really fantastic, and I think because the Hawks weren't quite winning just yet on the level that they had been later in the season, plus it was the Hawks—they're not always paid attention to nationally. People kind of miss the Hunter breakout. I know some people didn't, for sure, even nationally. But in general, I think he's probably still underrated at this point in time. And I think his breakout season potential is pretty darn high. In fact, friend of the podcast, Andrew Kelly, even tweeted on Tuesday, I saw this, that Hunter was a, uh, his his bold prediction of the season is Hunter will make the All-Star team. That's a little bit higher than I would actually predict, but I did reference when I was asked in the mailbag a couple of weeks ago about how many players the Hawks have that could make the all-star team. I put him on that list. I don't think Hunter is going to be um, a guy I project to do that this year, but I think he is capable of that, which tells you how high I think his upside is. It wouldn't stun me if he averaged you know, 18 points a game on good efficiency plus good defense and a good team. That's a pretty good recipe um, this season in year three for Hunter. So um, high expectations, obviously, in this circle, but I think he's due for a, another breakout if he can stay healthy this season. And then Trey Young. I've got at least one vote for the best passer category. Not a huge surprise there. Trey is an awesome passer. In fact, I think he probably is underrated still as a passer. I am always on the record in saying I think that is his best attribute. Obviously, he has several positive attributes. Uh, His shooting is impressive. His passing, his ball handling, um, all that stuff. His scoring overall, his floater, etc. But I've always loved his passing. I think he's underrated there. I think he's one of the best passers in the league. Full stop. I think he might leave the league in assists. Last year I picked him to do that. I think he finished second overall in total assists in like top three or four assists per game. I think he's capable of leading the league again this year. Um that's how good he is. Um I was a little bit maybe not surprised, but at least at least I found it noteworthy he did not get any votes for best point guard in the league. Um, guys like LeBron were on the best point guard list. I'm not really sure how that comes together, but just want to put that out there. He was the one guy I thought actually might have a chance for the Hawks to get some love on the best positional rankings, but he did not get any any votes there. I thought Capella was probably underserved, too, on this GM survey, um, not being included on on the defensive list after how good he was last year. But alas, the Hawks with some general positivity and nothing that I could be too angry about. I'm sure Hawks fans might find something to be bothered by from the GM survey, but for the most part, it was pretty respectful to the Hawks, in my opinion. So I wanted to pass all that along to you, and it was definitely worth a read to check that out on Twitter. I'm sure you can find it, or uh, check out John Schumann's work at NBA.com. All right, before we get to the rest of the podcast and will look ahead to Wednesday's game at home against the Cavs, a war from our sponsors, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is back and better than ever. All eyes right now are on the gridiron with football teams across the country back on the field starting start another season. And as always, BetOnline is the number one spot for all the professional and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more props, odds, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for all things football. Head to the website right now, or use mobile domestic site today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That is double, yes double, your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. That is promo code NFL100 to have that double your initial deposit. For football, basketball, boxing, and all of your favorite casino games, as well as golf, tennis, baseball, MMA, etc., don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for you right now and throughout the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, some updates from today. Um, before we get into the look ahead to the game on Wednesday, um, as I've this on Tuesday evening, Trey Young did not practice at all on Tuesday. No surprise after he left Monday's game with a quad contusion. That the Hawks announced quickly. Talked about this last night, played some audio for you um, from Troy Young on the podcast. If you missed that, check it out on the same feed. Um, Young, though, today told the media that he was sore still, but he'd be fine. And he's focused on being ready for the regular season and the opener, um, which is, you know, two and a half, not even two and a half weeks away at this point in time. McMillan said that team would be cautious with Trey Young for obvious reasons, but that's the latest on Trey. Uh, Nate also talked about this is from Kevin Sharno of Hawks.com and Sarah Spencer of the AJC. McMillan said that the Hawks talked um, uh, that he, actually that he thought the Hawks were a couple couple steps slow against Miami on Monday, which I definitely would agree with. And watching the tape back again. Um, I talked about that a lot last night, as well as uh, sort of he, basically. But practice ran very long on Tuesday, more than two hours of practice. And conditioning has been a topic of conversation, both from Nate on Monday and also today and all the way through. So I think he was not exactly pleased with the way they ran up and down the floor, at least a little bit, on Monday. So I'll keep an eye on that into Wednesday. Um, As for Wednesday itself, they play the Cavaliers in the home opener for the Hawks. Obviously, the game does not count, but it's still noteworthy. And I'm sure Hawks fans will be pouring into the arena Early and often on Wednesday evening. Bizarrely, Cleveland is on a back-to-back, which is not unprecedented. This is something that kind of happened in the preseason. Some teams like to play five or six games. Um, Atlanta has four this year. Um, Cleveland also got rocked by Cleveland, uh, sorry, by Chicago, by 36 points on the road on Tuesday, and then they had to go, have to fly straight to Atlanta. So obviously, not a whole lot of like intensity there, but uh, kind of a weird schedule quirk to pass along. Also, Nate McMillan said that multiple times on Monday and then again on Tuesday, that the Hawks are going to lean to the young guys more on Wednesday. Um, you know, Before Monday's game, he talked about playing the veterans more. That second unit the Hawks used on Monday was basically all veterans with Delon Wright and Lou Williams, Solomon Hill, um, Dylan Gonari, and uh, Jill Okafor. I'm sure we'll see more of Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson. Uh, as well as maybe even Skylar Mays and wh- whoever else we see on the bench. But I think it will be more young guys along the way, particularly with Troy Young out of the lineup, per t- at least perhaps. In fact, the injury report is probably the last thing we'll touch on on the podcast today. The positive headliners are uh, two pretty interesting and good ones, I think, for the Hawks. Kevin Herter is off the injury report entirely after missing the opener with injury management for his ankle. If you remember from a couple of weeks ago at this point in time, Travis Schlenk let it slip, and then it was confirmed later on that Kevin Herter had an offseason ankle procedure that was quickly after the season, but he was limited in camp at the the beginning of the season. Um, Still, though, this is a positive side. I'm not sure he's going to play a ton in this game on Wednesday, but the fact he's not listed at all is definitely a positive for a guy coming off a big season and a big playoff run for the Hawks at the end of last year. Another positive thing is the Aubrey Hunter, who's been upgraded to probable. He missed the opener as well with the uh, injury management coming off the knee surgery that he had in the offseason. It is a very good sign that he's upgraded, upgraded to probable. Now, he may not play. He may not play a ton. All that fun stuff. But the fact that he's been even listed as probable at this early juncture of the, of the preseason is a, definitely a good thing for Atlanta. Um, Trey Young, especially listed as doubtful at this point in time. I'm surprised he's even doubtful, quite honestly. I'd be surprised if he played. I'd be borderline shocked if he played, honestly. There's no reason, in my opinion, to have him play. Uh, Trey famously likes to play. He doesn't like to miss games, but this is a game that does not mean anything. Um, I would be surprised slash frustrated, honestly, if he were to play on Wednesday. So keep an eye on that, obviously. I'm sure they're not going to want to risk Trey if there's anything wrong whatsoever. But, I mean, I would be of the mind of not playing Trey the rest of the preseason, preseason, probably. I mean, may, maybe at the end for a little bit in that fourth game. But there's a, um, you know basically a week plus between now and that fourth game at home so no reason to push him whatsoever caution is the key there and again i'd be surprised if he played although he is listed as doubtful and not out at this juncture the only other guy who did not play uh who's sorry the only guy who did play in the opener that is not going to play in the second game is Buga he is out but for only for rest obviously he had the knee thing in the playoffs last year had a cleanup surgery uh, in the offseason with a sort of a PR, prp injection of some sort um, with that said, he's not in the injury report at all. He played without incident, to my knowledge, on Monday night. So a little bit of rest there. No reason to play him a ton in the preseason either. He's a veteran. He'll be ready to go. And then, of course, Capella and Okonwu are still out. No surprise there. But Capella is uh, of high interest as the rest of the preseason goes along. So we'll focus on that. Uh, but for now, he is still out of the lineup as of Tuesday. Final thing on the podcast today. Obviously not too much to take away from Monday's game, as I talked about on the podcast last night. But obviously you want to see some more conditioning. Some point of attack defense, I think, was definitely lacking. I'm sure McMillan wants want to see a little bit more effort defensively. Offensively, it wasn't too ugly other than the turnovers in the first half um in the opener but obviously the clean, clean some stuff up there and uh, the young guys focusing particularly on cooper and johnson and mays as developmental pieces and then see how kevin herter looks that's probably the number one thing is how herter um, who is not an injury poor, and if hunter plays those two guys would be of great importance particularly hunter who has not played basketball in even longer obviously he uh, ba- he barely played last year came back from the playoffs of course and then did not play at all in the last two rounds of the playoffs so Um, If those guys play as they are expected to in Hunter's case and then probable to in Hunter's case, they will be the biggest focus in the game on Wednesday. But, you know, lots lots to showcase and the first time in a few months for Hawks fans to watch their team in person. So that's at least something to be excited about. We're ramping up at this point in time. And again, the regular season opener is about two and a half weeks away as I record this on Tuesday, October 5th. So we're getting very, very close. And thank you as all well for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the show, everybody. It's a little bit of a shorter one as I previewed at the beginning of the podcast, but I'll be back hopefully in regular recording situations in the near future. Maybe not Wednesday night, but I'll be watching the game wherever I end, end up being on Wednesday evening, whether it's in the arena or not quite getting back to Atlanta just yet, but I'll have my eye close things and uh, Zoom and all that stuff. We'll focus on what's happening on Wednesday night for the preseason opener. And then we'll pass along all of that information to you at the end of the night. So please subscribe. Please tell your friends. Leave five-star feedback and a positive review on the podcast. And we'll see you after the game on Wednesday.